of course I had a choice to quit, but yeah. like, you know, my mentality is I don't want to quit. And it's like when you have this back of, of people believing in you, when something goes wrong, it just gets you creative. That's what I mean. Crisis for me is like a chance to something. And in the end, this happened to me was like a huge chance that I could improve and like I could get better. Welcome to Mindful Business Founder, the podcast for fashion business founders seeking to build a meaningful and profitable business. I'm Liki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how mindful founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Today, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Julias Kirkert, a young and very inspiring handbag designer who has joined us from Vienna in Austria. If I need to choose one word to describe Julia, I would say that Julia is a very bold person. Yes, Julia is the embodiment of boldness. She's a bold business person and a bold designer. In this very fun conversation, Julia would tell us the story about how she launched a collection on a crowdfunding platform and ended up taking over a factory in Indonesia. She will also share with us the details of how she manages her creative process and her business and why she chose to be completely transparent to her customers about her pricing structure. If you need a good dose of inspiration to shake things up or to take a less conventional approach in your business, this conversation with Julia Skirket is definitely for you. Welcome, Julia. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. I would like to start off with one question. We have a lot of designers from different countries. Where are you from? I'm from Austria and my studio is also based in Austria and Vienna. And is it where you studied, where you grew up and you studied? I grew up in Austria and then I started going to school for graphic design. And then later on, after I graduated, I organized myself an internship in New York City at a photographer. So I went to New York for a year, did my internship there. And at the same time, I actually also applied for a university for um, fashion design in London at Kingston University. And I got accepted there as well to start with the master's program. So right after New York, I moved straight from Manhattan to London to study. Yeah. Can you describe the ideal world you want your children to live in? You know, at the moment, the situation is just a bit different, but I always see crisis as a chance. I'm a bit worried about the future in a way. Like, for example, artificial intelligence is something that is really powerful, but at the same time, it can also be very damaging if it gets used by the wrong people. So um, for me, I'm still young, but at the same time, I'm planning to have children. And I really hope that the world is not going to change that much when I have children. So ideally, I just want to have the same way I grew up in nature and just not in a big city when you can just play in the backyard. And, and how do you think that your brand is connected to this vision? 
I always try to have a sustainable approach, you know, like the way I am at home is I can just relate it to food and groceries. There's never food that goes to waste. And I always try to reuse every single bit that I have. And, you know, even if there is an apple or banana that is already brown, there are so many good recipes or so many things you can use it for. So I really try to have a sustainable approach. For my business, the way I started and the way I still use is I work also dead stock leather, which is basically leftovers leather. It's high quality that's been used for the big brands. And I just try to reuse that in a way, or even if I have small offcuts of leather, then I try to think of designs where I can use this leftover leather again. We've been talking about your brands, but we didn't mention what your brand is of you have a brand of handbags exactly yeah handbags yeah can you tell us more about your handbags oh yeah who is it for and uh, what's special about these handbags to start with basically my story behind it was that i actually started with shoes so the brand started with shoes that was back when i lived in indonesia so after my graduation in london i moved to indonesia so i wanted to work in fashion but i always saw the potential of the asian luxury market and um, at that time you know the speed in england is very fast i felt a bit depressed <laughs> in a way so <laughs> i just wanted to work uh, in the fashion industry but more in the market that is mm -hmm. booming um, I've been to China a couple times before during my childhood and also in my program there were a lot of um, Asian overseas students as well but it was difficult for me to build up a network or a connection in China you know there's so many people and I think it's very difficult to start something if you don't know anyone or if you don't know anything and in Japan was too expensive for those purposes so I went more southeast was thinking about southeast Asia to start with and yeah so I picked Indonesia because I've never been there before but actually my mission was that this would be my starting point to go towards more like the Chinese market and somehow to figure it out there <laughs> very naive like was it Bali or Jakarta yeah I went to Jakarta like Bali as well but I went to Jakarta And of course, I did absolutely no research about anything. And I just experienced that because I thought it's just like my first stop in a way. And I just uh, figured out that they're uh, actually like it's very innovative and there is so many new brands and the local business scene is huge there. So it was really inspiring for me. And at the same time, I realized, okay, actually my clothing doesn't match the environment there. So um, I... I went to a small cobbler and because you can do customized shoes there for an affordable price, which in Europe is not possible. Yeah. And I just designed some sandals there. I gave him a drawing and he made them for me. And then people around me were asking, oh, where you got the shoes from? I was like, yeah, I just like got them designed or made by the cobbler. And they were asking me, oh, can you do me some as well? And I said, sure. Um, and yeah, and then just like more and more people keep asking about the shoes and then the cobbler turned to me like, look, you know, you have to look for a production because I can't really fulfill those orders, <laughs> like this high demand. And so I was researching, okay, what's the best leather place like for leather production in Indonesia, which is in West Java. Um, in Bandung so I flew there and um, sourced for a factory and moved there 
And yeah, that's how everything started. So I started with shoe production. Indonesian people are very friendly and they're very giving. And so it was quite easy to build up a network there. And I got a lot of help as well. So they were like, all of them were really helpful in trying to help me finding the materials, introducing me to all the suppliers um, and manufacturers and stuff like that. Yeah. And then like I never planned it to turn it into a business, but as my background is graphic design, it's easy for me to design a logo. It's easy for me to make a website. And I'm a very visual aesthetic person. So for me, it's important that the packaging looks nice and that there is an image or taking pictures. I also did the internship in, in New York as a photographer. So it was easy for me to produce all the content that you need as when you want to start a brand. And yeah, so I just put a logo on it and uh, decided packaging and turn it into a brand. But just because for me, the aesthetics are important and it also adds value to a product. If you have all those things around, then just go shoot without a label on it. <laughs> and of course, I also love those uh, things. So um, designing everything around it as well. And that's how it started. And, and it was actually quite successful. I started selling out of Indonesia to the rest of the world through a designer's platform. And then at the same reason, I was searching for handbag or like a backpack that where I could carry my laptop around and I couldn't find anything nice. You know, they were all like super functional or, or not really nice with a lot of padding and it looked like something that you don't want to wear as a fashion person. Mm. So I just designed my own laptop backpack out of leather and used it for myself. It was the same thing. People were asking where I got the backpack from. <laughs> and so this was like one of the most it's still one of the best selling articles the same thing with the mini bag i like just used the design of the backpack as a reference and turned it into a small bag just also same for my personal use so i really always did something where i felt like okay there's a need for it it needs to be a nice design it needs to be high quality and it also needs to be functional at the same time something that i couldn't find in the market and yeah, that's basically how my brand started. And then my first collection I financed uh, through Kickstarter. It's, there's a German-speaking platform that is basically the same like Kickstarter's. And um, yeah, it, it, everything worked out. I got the money to fund the first collection. But what happened is by the time the, the factory that I worked with, the guy, I knew him already quite a long time and I trusted him. I also trusted him that I basically paid all the money up front for him to buy the materials and all the supplies and everything like that. But what happened, he went bankrupt and he disappeared. So I was at the beginning of the production and, you know, not all the material was bought yet. And he left. In Indonesia, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do even if you have a lawyer in a way. That's sadly the, the case in, in many other countries as well because it, things take yeah. time. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was that was like a really tough time for me because it was the starting of a, like the first major step of making this brand, turning it into a real business. And I, I had so many people waiting, like they placed orders. I could not really tell them that, okay, look, your money is gone because the factory, like it went bankrupt. I couldn't tell anything of that. Um, and then at the same time, the workers were there and they had families as well. And they le were left behind as well. And they were telling me, look, I have like a family that I 
they need to survive and I have no job. So what I decided to do is I decided to take over the factory, which helped me a lot because of course the price increased. So we changed everything, like the, the structure of the factory because I needed to pay the workers. I needed to make some money in order to continue my production. So I asked all my friends, all the people that were new, I asked them, okay, now do you still want your custom-made shoes? I'm going to produce one pair of shoes for you because I could go directly to the workers and tell them, okay, today you're only going to make this shoe. So I, three days after, and it got cash in order to get the production running again. And it actually worked out. So in the end, I could fulfill all the orders. I was delayed by maybe two months my customers I kept them you know it's like just telling them stories like okay yeah something it's a bit delayed but everything is cool don't worry <laughs> so in the end yeah, I took over the factory and I could work directly with the workers and after this it was stable again and I wanted to continue hang on I just want to stop you for a while you were in your 20s fresh out of school in a foreign country and you decided to take over a factory Is that what you just said? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> It's so bold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. You know, thinking now about it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. But when I was in that position, I was like crying for a, for a long time. But at the same time, of course, I had a choice to quit. But yeah. like, you know, my mentality is I don't want to quit. And it's like, When you have this back of, of people believing in you, when something goes wrong, it just gets you creative. That's what I mean. Crisis for me is like a chance or something. And in the end, this happened to me was like a huge chance that I could improve and like I could get better. So yeah, it worked out for me really, really well. But what happened afterwards is I had issues with the, the climate there, with the humidity, like the drying of the glue was a bit difficult because it was so humid. So it would have needed much longer to dry. And I wanted to ship it to Europe because of the, the temperature difference in the airplane. It's easy that the glue can crack, you know, and it's not 100% that it will stay. And I wanted to have you know a good quality product so for me this was um, a no-go the only way to improve those kind of issues were to renovate the facility and to build a dry house and things like that but that would cost a lot of money and for the same amount of money I could also produce in Europe Mm -hmm. For me at that time, it doesn't make sense if I'm a startup brand to invest in something just to have it produced still in Asia, because at the same time, it's quite difficult. You have to communicate it why you produce in Asia. Sometimes it has a bad reputation. So for me, I really made it transparent and people could see. I was showing pictures of the workers who made it, told the stories who is behind it, that it's really small factory and that I run it and I work with the workers and yeah, that it's small and, and the conditions are good. I check the conditions and everything. So I took one year just flying around Europe, just sourcing new manufacturers. I went everywhere, just looked at different places where I could work with, met a lot of suppliers and distributors. Um, and build up my network in this one year. I found a manufacturer in Czech Republic. I had my letter from Italy and started working from there. And moved again to Austria because this time for me it was important. I just need to be somewhere close to the factory. 
And I didn't know in Europe, for example, yeah, you get your leather in Italy, you get your hardware in Poland, you manufacture in Czech Republic. So I need to be somewhere in the center and Austria is quite in the center of all those places. And it's also, you know, I'm from Austria. So it was the first time in after seven years that I don't have any issues with the visa or bureaucracy. So everything would be smooth for me. It's easy to, to find a place to live. You know, I don't need to show any crazy documents mm. or get some documents. That was quite easy for me. And I choose Vienna because it's the capital and I'm close to the airport and all those things. Um, yeah, and that was um, the start of um, basically the restart <laughs> of my brand. And then I switched to bags because the thing is uh, with shoe production, you have all the sizes. And back then I also did unisex, which means I have from size uh, 35 to 46. That's crazy. Yeah. And then cost a lot of money because you have to create a shoeless, you have to make a mold um, and all those things are very expensive. And you have to consider the sizing, like the shape of a foot is different in Asia than in Europe. So the fitting is different. And although I did sandals and some closed sandals as well, but it's still like I wanted to have for me, it was so important to make like a really comfortable sandal that you can wear a long time, that you can wear not just in summer, but you can also wear it with socks and you just like a good sandal. And yeah, this is just a very difficult issue. And if you don't have any financial backup or if you don't have any investor who is paying all those things upfront, the development, then it's just, um, yeah, it's just not possible. It's really not possible. And with bags, it's much easier. Also, as I mentioned before, I from the beginning on, I sold online most of it. That was also the beginning of Instagram and I sold it through Instagram as well already. So it's important that I have a product that it's easy to buy online and bags, it's easier because, you know, you don't really have to try on a bag in order. It doesn't need to fit you. It just needs to look nice on you. you of course, you need to know the dimensions you need to know the proportions what you can put in the back and um, if it suits you but you know you don't have to try it on and um, and maybe the shoe is too small too big or too tight um, yeah so that's why I switched to handbag production and it's just more easier in terms of manufacturing it's much 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 easier and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and as you explained much less capital intensive exactly yeah. exactly yeah So in your handbags, you have a lot of interesting concept beyond the, the design, which is very sleek and nice. You have a lot of features that are, I wouldn't say features, maybe ideas that are embedded in these handbags. Like you mentioned female power, you mentioned transparency, you mentioned a lot of things. Can you explain a little bit about that and why you chose to be focused on this specific area. Yeah, I just want to communicate what I'm doing because in the end, if you see a handbag on a shelf, if you see, if you don't know what's behind there, then why do you want to buy it? Of course, maybe you want to buy it because it looks nice, but I think my product also needs a bit of communication. It really source everything myself. Like I source for the best quality of leather. We do so many sampling. We try out all the material. I test wear it. We all in the team test wear our bags for a long time before we introduce a new product to the market, just to be sure everything 
is good, you know, because I design also for a need, a personal need, because I also search for handbags that I would love to buy. And sometimes there are, of course, a lot of nice, famous brands that are quite expensive as well. But me, you know, I know so much now about the production of bags and about the quality. And when I look at them, I'm always mm. disappointed for the price that you pay. It's really not a high quality handbag. And this is something where I'm like, okay, where is this bag? And then this bag that has a high quality functionality and a, and a good design as well. And then at the same time, of course, you can buy a cheap version at Zara or H&M, but it's just like the fake leather. I'm not a big fan of it. It's just going to fall apart after wearing a couple of times. And I just love a natural, good quality product, which is leather. And it's such a long lasting product. We've been using it over ages you know and it keeps you warm it has so much functionality and such a beautiful product that ages through time and it gets patina and this is something that i value a lot about leather that's why i try to focus on using leather on my bags and yeah and then also if you look at the hardware it's all and produced it's custom made um i saw it's really good hardware that doesn't change color um, that stays the way it is over years so this is all really important like every single small mm. detail is crucial and matters to me for the whole design it looks like a quite simple bag but we took such a long time and there's so much behind also the pattern you know like making it the way it looks was a quite complex way to get the pattern right that it has the shape and that because we're using a really soft lambskin nappa and this needs support material and lining and so many tweaks to find the perfect lining so that the shape is exactly the way I want it to. And yeah, so there's a, a big process behind it. And this is really important for me to communicate that I stand for this product. And I also want to guarantee that you have a really good quality product that you can wear for a long time and that you're just going to be happy with. And that your investment, although it's very little compared to what we offer. You did a great job and it's very visual. And uh, so I was wondering any positive or negative feedbacks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be honest, of course, it's as a brand, I'm revealing your costs and making it transparent. Again, I find it very bold. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It is like you really have to think about it. But at the same time, for me, I also know I have actually nothing to hide because my margin that I keep for myself are quite low. And I just really want to show that if I have feedback from people, oh, yeah, I like the bag, but it's a bit expensive or maybe I can find a similar one at H&M it's like okay it's totally fair but I just want to show you the true cut and of course good quality has a price and at the same time if you look at my margin if I sell through retail the retailer gets much more than I get yes. actually from my design and I just want to make this transparent because people of course I don't expect people to know that but I just want to show it to them and the feedback is actually quite positive because they're surprised and then also there's a big point about tax you know nobody knows that the tax amount is so much of course this the tax this is money that people pay that I never see in a way so that well, I have to give back you have to call it back to the <laughs> so you have to work for the exactly. tax office <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> exactly and yeah just I just want to show the material costs and um, how much the packaging is how much the shipping is all those things because you have to consider and um and so far the feedback was really good because we made it transparent how long it yeah. takes to produce a bag 
because although we are producing it in a fast way, but you know, there's so much that you have to add on because we had like several times pre-orders and people didn't know how long it will take to fulfill them. And that's why we also made this process transparent just to show how many companies and how many steps there are involved in order to assemble one handbag. This was really important for me to communicate. And the feedback is very positive and surprising. Of course, it is surprising, but I'm very positive. And, and I also like that I tell stories with my product and people like those stories. And I love that they keep on telling the stories to other people. When they own the handbag, they just show it to other people with pride. And they tell, oh, you know, this handbag was made here. And I know the designer and I know how long it takes and all those things. So it's nice. It's like a circle. It's, um, yeah, so the pricing, the price transparency has become part of your storytelling. Exactly. Yeah. And how often do you launch a new design, a new bag on the market? I actually, to be honest, I don't go by the fashion calendar. Um, it's just because I also feel handbags, it's not really a seasonal product. First of all, we wear handbags all year long. And of course, maybe you want to wear a white color bag during summer and then like maybe black during the winter or something like that. And there was always preferences. But for me, it's also my mission to design handbags that last for a long time. You know, I want people to make happy with this bag every day. And that's why the fashion calendar is not so important for me. And I really go more by my gut feeling when, first of all, of course, I sometimes have to hold things back. If something goes wrong with production, then we are delayed. Then the cycle is basically not really working. But at the same time, to be honest, if you work with fashion industry partners, such as PR agencies or showrooms, then you need to be flexible and you have to fit in the fashion calendar because that's when they work. You know, they work um, in the fashion seasons, like when there's buying season and there's only like there's a certain amount when the buying season is happening. At the same time, I don't experience any big issues with that because even though for PR, PR always needs something new yes. for them, the best best way would be if you drop like something every month so you just find your way to work with it like I just tell them okay we just introduce to the press those two colors and then the next month the other colors and, and that's that's just how we work and we communicate through our platforms through Instagram newsletter and all the channels and I get inspired when I travel as well and it's just for me like when I feel like okay there is a need now for a new bag or I also listen a lot to the feedback of our customers you know now I'm actually launching in October two new bags that are quite big now because I was listening to the feedback of my customer where they okay I want a bit a larger bag like for work or just for university or different reasons just a, a large bag so we'll launch a large bag and I've been working on this bag for uh, one and a half years now so it always takes a lot of time so you find the right people because this one is manufactured somewhere else because it's a special quilting technique that we use and we have to find the right partner who is really good with that so yeah it's slow fashion <laughs> I would say it's slow fashion, but there's so many buzzwords out there like sustainable fashion, ethical mm. fashion. And I think what you're doing is great because you're not saying I'm this, 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 but you're just showing, you're leading by example, showing, okay, this is what I do. I'm being transparent and you decide whether my product fits your standards, whether my product is aligned with your values in life. And I think this is a great approach. 
by many standards, to me, you are very successful in such a short time. Where do you think you can improve? What else can you do more? What's your new product? Mm, actually, we just had a big improvement. It's also like long. We started this process um, also a year ago, at least, um, where we wanted to improve the quantity of our products. As I said before, now we use a different type of leather, which is very soft and thin. But at the same time, it means that we have to do a lot of quality changes and improvements in order to get the shape exactly the way it looks when you use a very stiff, hard leather. And it also means twice the amount of labor for producing this bag. So I tested out all at the same time who is doing the best bag. And now I decided to work with one. And so this is basically what I wanted to improve for a very long time was the quality on one hand of the manufacturing. And now we really nailed it and I'm super excited to introduce the new bag. We're going to launch it beginning of October at the same time with the new product. So this is one thing that we achieved so far. And then we also had some big changes just in the last couple of months. We also improved the website that was already on my list for a very long time that I want to improve things. We also improved even more our communication through Instagram. We are doing now community building. This is also one thing that I want to um, get even better. And, you know, in general, it's more... Um, where I want to improve is, of course, um, brand awareness, you know, more reach. I want to um, try to get more people to know about the brand. What brings you most joy on the daily basis when you wake up in the morning? What you're excited about? Well, to be honest, it's the feedback of customers. And I value this so much when a customer takes its time to write me an email to just make a comment about the bag or just to tell me how much they love the bag or that they carry or they send me a picture after a really long time that they still wear the bag and they like it so much or that they still get compliments on this bag. And it just makes me so happy because... I just started this brand out of a personal need, you know, I just want to make good products. And it's so nice when I see that it's not just my only personal need that I can also make other people happy with this product and that other people like it as well. And this just gives me so much joy and the feedback from my customers. And of course, I sometimes have so many setbacks and especially with production because I manage it myself and I work really close with all my suppliers and there is always something going wrong. You think you have a perfect setup and then you want to start a new production and then the tannery runs out of this leather and especially through COVID-19 there were so many delays with everything and the production stands still again because one thing is missing um, I don't know for some reason I always get such a nice message when I have a really bad day and this kind of like you know gets me up again running and then yeah it just I'm yeah the validation from your customers that you are changing their lives yeah Oh, they're just doing something great for them. Exactly. And it's just a handbag, you know, it's not a medicine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you very much. If people want to find you, where they, can they find you on the internet or in shops or... Definitely. So the best way to contact me or even to see my product and my new collection is on my website, um, yuliaskaget.com. You can also find me on Instagram as Kaget Official. 
And I'm always happy to receive emails. And we also have a great newsletter. So please sign up if you have interest in receiving new information when the product will launch. And yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you. I put all of that in the show notes. Great. And so I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Did you like this episode? If you enjoyed listening to Mindful Business Founder, you can share this with your friends who are also on the sustainability journey. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help other people like you find this podcast. Bye now and talk to you soon.